Good morning. Welcome to Brentwood United Methodist Church. My name is Jim Hughes. I'm one of the pastors here. We are thrilled that you're here today on Christmas Eve. It's a big day for us, um, and there's a lot going on. For those of you who are joining us online, we welcome you as our guests, and we're glad you're with us as well. Uh, just a couple of announcements. First of all, uh, if you don't already know, in your bulletin, this will tell you, that we have uh, six services, not counting this one, uh, later at two. There are two services at four, uh, and then six, eight, and 11. And so we're hoping you will be at one of those and, uh, and enjoy uh, our time together here on Christmas Eve as we prepare for the birth of the, of the child. I'd remind you too that after the uh, four, six, eight services at 11, if you were one of those who uh, gave a poinsettia in memory or honor of someone, you'd be pleased to take that with you uh, and decorate your home. We'll also remind you that the church will be closed uh, beginning on Christmas Day, the 25th through the 30th. And then on the 31st, we will have again one worship service at 11 o'clock. So I hope that you'll keep all those in mind. Come and be with us and enjoy this time together. Now, if you will, will you stand and greet one another in the name of Christ? I invite you as you're able to rise as we prepare our service today with the lighting of the Advent wreath. This litany is responsive. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary, 
announcing God's plan for her to conceive and give birth to the Messiah, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And yet only a few months later, Mary sings to Elizabeth, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Today, we light these candles as signs of our shocking hope, our just peace, our fierce joy, and the love that transforms us. May love grow within us, transforming us into bold witnesses of God's salvation with our voices and our lives. Please remain standing and let us join together now, lift our voices for the affirmation of faith together. We believe in God who is love, whose love is manifest in all creation, in our lives and in all people. We follow Jesus Christ who embodied God's love in his life and ministry, his death and resurrection, and his granting uh, to us of his spirit. He filled us with that love as well. We live by the Holy Spirit, the presence of God's love in us. In that love, we participate in the church, the body of Christ, 
in loving God by loving our neighbors through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. Amen.
Thank you, Lauren. This is beautiful. As we prepare now to uh, turn our hearts to God in prayer, I invite you to remember those who are listed in the bulletin who stand in need of our prayers. I've been asked that if we would also add the name Fred Schwartz to our prayer list today, please do that. Let us join together now in prayer. Almighty God, we've waited for a long time for your hope, your peace, your joy, and your love to shine in the darkness of this world. And now in our gathering here today, we await you in our hearts, and we still hope that your light will blaze forth, shining light into the shadows of this world and guiding all people back to you. You didn't come into this world in a show of power and glory. You didn't shine forth for all of creation to behold. You came as a tiny spark, a newborn baby. Open our hearts today, merciful God, to the sparks of your presence still in this world. Open our eyes that we might behold your presence in the least likely of places and among the least likely of people. Kindle your spark within us that together we may shine forth your light and we may fight back the shadows of this world and we might be the continuation of this Christmas miracle. Let the love that shaped earth and heaven dwell with us this Christmas. Let the love that created humanity dwell within us this Christmas. Let the love that overcomes suffering and hatred dwell within us this Christmas. Let the love that causes us to rejoice with loved ones dwell within us this Christmas. Let the love that forgives and renews dwell within us this Christmas. Let the love that brings reconciliation after separation dwell within us this Christmas. Let the love that brings the blessing of peace dwell within us this Christmas. And may we share that peace with all people near and far. God of birth, God of light, in this time of song and prayer and silence, reawaken in us the awe of Christmas. As we hear again the story of a young woman and a surprising visitor, remind us, that we are called to respond to you in unexpected ways. And when we leave this place, may we be willing to sing praises for a young woman who said yes and the birth that we prepare to celebrate. We pray it in the name of the child who even now is starting to push from the womb, who would later teach his friends to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand for the reading of today's Old Testament lesson from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and 16. Now when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day but I have been moving about in a tent in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel 
whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly. From that time I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, you've heard that old phrase, the few, the proud, the Marines. This morning I was gonna open with a joke and say you are the few, the proud, the people who came to the Advent service on Christmas Eve morning, but it doesn't work because there are so many of you here. And so I am grateful for your presence here in worship this morning. I know many of you will be back later at one of our services and we hope you'll come back because this, this morning service is always an interesting one. It happens every few years that the fourth Sunday of Advent and Christmas Eve fall on the same day. And all Advent long, we've been waiting upon the day in which we can celebrate Christ's birth. And it's almost here but we wait a little bit longer. And later today, the sanctuary is going to be full and there will be overflow rooms as well and there'll be candles everywhere and people singing Silent Night. There'll be big choirs, big crowds. Luke chapter two will be read. But until then, we wait and we revisit some of the people, places, and the plans of God leading up to that great day that we celebrate leading up to what C.S. Lewis calls the grand miracle of the incarnation. And many people have said to me this week, the scripture passage that was planned is an interesting one, and I look forward to see what you say about it. And I've thought the same thing at times, and so hopefully by the end of the sermon, it will make a bit more sense. And the person we're gonna look at, if you were paying attention, is King David this morning. And the place we find him is in Jerusalem. And on this day, King David, he's not running around from one place to the next trying to do last-minute holiday shopping and prepare for some great celebrations. Instead, we find that David is at rest. He's resting, almost taking a Sabbath after years of, of fighting, of battle, of danger. And as David is now established firmly as the king and David has established Jerusalem as the capital of the kingdom He's resting in his house one day, a beautiful house built by carpenters and masons of, made of cedar. I'm sure it smelled beautifully and I'm sure it had ornate woodwork everywhere. He's sitting in his house, resting, and he thinks, I have this beautiful house. And yet God, the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence dwells, rests in a tent. In the tabernacle, traveling from place to place. And he says, you know, I think I need to do something great. And he has this idea that he tells the prophet Nathan. He says, I am going to do something great. I am going to build God a house. And if you think about it, I think this desire to do great things and build great things lives inside of each of us. I mean, if you think about the gifts that are gonna be under Christmas trees tomorrow and the gifts on kids' Christmas lifts all throughout Brentwood and Middle Tennessee, you'll find things like Legos. And kids love to build great towers and, and build them as tall as they can. You'll find gingerbread houses. As families decorate ornate and beautiful things. And in my house, there's likely to be a second 
nugget. And now I know many of you don't know what a nugget is, but here's one on the screen. And this is not paid product placement, but this is an amazing product. And parents love it for one reason. It's a washable kid's couch. And when you have three kids, three and under like I do, washable is a great feature in anything in your home. But it's also great because kids love this couch that was invented in 2014 by a few UNC graduates. They love it because you can rearrange the cushions and you can build all sorts of things. My son, Patrick, who's supporting me down on the front row this morning, he loves to build hotels out of his couch. And he'll often build a great hotel and he'll say, dad, come and look, it's Opryland. Other times... He'll rearrange all the cushions and make a big rig and take us to great places. Still other times, he'll just build whatever structure he can imagine, see how tall he can stack them just to show off his great building skills. We all like to build, we all like to create and do great things deep down in our hearts for a variety of motivations. Which brings us back to King David. He was no different. He wanted to do this great thing, to build this great thing. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why did he want to do this? And perhaps one reason is that his motivations were pure. He simply, out of the overflow of love in his heart, wanted to make God a beautiful dwelling place as a way of honoring God. Or maybe David wanted to build this great place because He wanted to create a legacy for himself. After all, he had established Jerusalem as the capital of the kingdom. And now he thinks, okay, now we have a place. Now let me make God a beautiful place. And then when people are looking back in the future, they'll think how great I am. You know how political leaders love doing building projects like this. Or maybe he had another motivation. Throughout history at different times, we see leaders doing great building projects for the gods, making things like temples as as a way of of honoring them and trying to gain favor with the little g-gods. And usually after they build these type of things, a prophet or an oracle comes to them and says, look, now that you've done this great thing for God, God is going to do something great for you. The text doesn't exactly tell us David's motivations. A lot of times our motivations are mixed and his were likely the same. So it's unclear what his motivations were, but it is clear what God says in response to David's great plans. God says, no, no, David, no, David, I do not want you to build me this great house. Eugene Peterson, in one of his commentaries, writes that God basically says, David, I'm doing the building here, not you. I'm not going to let you confuse things by launching a building operation of your own. For if I let you fill Jerusalem with the sights and sounds of your building program, before long, everyone will be caught up in what you are doing and not attentive to what I am doing. And at first glance, God's response can seem a little bit harsh. After all, David just wants to do a a good thing for God. But it begins to make a little more sense as we continue on in God's speech and we hear what else God has to say. Because as God continues on, he makes a grace-filled promise to King David. He says, David, I know you want to do something great for me. But here's the thing, I instead want to do something great for you. I know you want to build me a great house, but God goes on to say to David, David, instead, I am going to build you a house. And in verse 16, we read this. God says, David, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now in the Hebrew here, there's a bit of a play on words because the term used for house by it can mean a literal house like many of us live in, but it can also mean a house as in a dwelling place or a temple 
for a divine being like David uses it. David says, God, I want to build you a house, a temple. But there's also another way that the term can be used in Hebrew, and that's the way God uses it here. And when God is using the term house, he's using the term in the sense of dynasty. And so he's saying to David, I will build you a house. I will build you a dynasty of you, your relatives and your descendants. And it is going to be a great house, a house that will endure forever. And this promise from God, it's an unconditional covenant that he makes with David. He doesn't say, David, you do something great. I'll do something great for you. David, you be faithful to me. I will be faithful to you. No, God says, I am doing this. From your lineage, a king will arise who will have an everlasting kingdom. And this promise of God gave God's people great hope through many trials and much tribulation. For hundreds of years after King David died, as God's people faced division, defeat, exile, as they were carted off to foreign lands, and there was no longer a Davidic king on the throne, God's people, when they looked at their situation and realized this is something that we can't fix ourselves, they fixed their eyes upon God and they had great hope in this promise and they had hope deep in their bones that God would be faithful. And years and years after this promise was made, interesting things began to happen. One day, an angel came to a young virgin named Mary who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, scripture tells us, a descendant of David. And the angel tells her, you will give birth to a son. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Catch this, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will rule over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then angel goes to the shepherds, a group of poor shepherds, and says to them, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, that is the anointed one, the long-awaited ruler that you've been looking for. He is the Lord. And then the wise men learn that one has been born king of the Jews. And as all of these people began to receive glimpses of what God was up to, my guess is they felt a little bit like what kids do on Christmas morning. How many of you remember what it felt like to be a child on Christmas morning? I'm so old, I can barely remember. That's a joke. Here's a picture of me when I was a, a little kid. You can say all, but that's me one Christmas morning. <laughs> and I was the youngest of three boys, and so our house was always pure chaos. And on Christmas morning, I, I shared a room with my brother, Will, at the time, and, and I remember I would wake up and I, I, I would say, can we get up yet? Is it, is it Christmas morning? Is it here? Do we have to keep waiting? Because I lived in a house where my parents had set a time that we couldn't wake them up before a certain time. And now I know there are families where the kids wake the parents up at 3 and 4 a.m. God bless you. That was not my house growing up. That is not my house today. Hopefully not tomorrow morning. But so we had to wait. And I would ask my brother, Will, I would say, Will, like, can we get up yet? And he'd say, no, it's not time yet. And I would sit on my bed. And I remember my heart just pounding, full of adrenaline, thinking about the gifts that were to come. Wondering if I was going to receive exactly what I hoped for and longed for. And then finally, the day and the moment arrived where we could run through the hallway and we could go into the den and we could see all of the great gifts below the Christmas tree. And I remember some years I would receive exactly what I was hoping for and expecting. And then other years I would, I would receive things that were kind of like what, what I was hoping for, but they weren't exactly 
what I asked for. But, but what I learned over time is they were exactly what I needed. And that's what happened on that very first Christmas. The people had been hoping. They had great expectation and God fulfilled the expectations. God fulfilled the promise that he had made to King David so long ago. Here, born on that day, was a king from the house of David who would reign forever. A king whose kingdom would have no end. A king who would reign with perfect peace, love, justice, and mercy. But the king came as a baby. A baby who was born not wrapped in purple, the color of royalty, but who was instead wrapped in swaddling clothes. A baby who was born not in a palace like King David was living in, but instead a baby who was born and placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. And this baby was the very house of God the temple where God's presence was made manifest here on earth. And I know in the hours and the days ahead, many of us are seeking to have great celebrations in honor of this baby, the Christ child. And so it's likely at some point during the service or during the sermon when you got bored, your mind began to wonder and think about all the stuff you still have to do. Some of you are cooking great feasts and so you're, you're, you're going through the ingredient list and what you have to buy. Others of you are thinking about the logistics of the family that you get to go see or the family that you have to go see, whichever one it is for you. And, and still others, maybe you're looking for the perfect gift. And so the good news I have for you this morning is that Fresh Market is open till 7 p.m. tonight. <laughs> and they have great prepared foods. You don't have to cook anything. The mall at Green Hills is open until 6 p.m. And they have great, exquisite gifts there. Or if you're brave enough, you can go to the Cool Springs Galleria. It's open until 5. You can spend these last few hours of waiting doing all of the things that you want to do, that you need to do, or that you feel you have to do. But the greater news that I want to share with you is this Christmas doesn't depend on what we do. Christmas is all about what God has done for us. God has kept his promises. God has given us his very presence. God is faithful. Like King David even on days like today, we're tempted to all say to God, God, I'm gonna do great things for you. God, I'm gonna do great service activities for you. God, I'm going to throw a great party for you. God, look at what we're gonna do for you. And in those moments, like God said to David, God speaks a word over us. And God says, those aren't bad things, but just remember, those aren't the greatest things. Christianity is about grace. Christmas is about grace. God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. God giving us what we haven't earned or deserved. God giving us a gift that we could never repay. And so this morning, I know that, that some of you, the moments and days ahead are gonna be quieter than usual, but for a lot of us, they're going to be more hectic than usual. And so this morning, I want to close with a moment of silence where you can just meet with God in prayer and when you can surrender all of your plans for the days and the hours ahead and say to God, here are my plans, but help me remember all that you've done for me, all that you've done for the world. God, help me remember that you have drawn near in the person of Christ. So I invite you to bow your heads now for a moment of silence and let us pray and meet with our gracious God.
once again. Amen. If Christmas is nothing else, <clears throat> it is the season of giving. We know that. And as we come to the end of the year, in most churches, that I've ever been associated with, the month of December is pretty important. A lot of catching up to do. And so if you're one of those people, we hope that you will catch up with your giving this week. More than anything else, I think what I'd like to say to you on behalf of the church is thank you. Thank you for the way you support this congregation. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for believing in the mission and the ministry of this place. There are a number of ways for you to give. Uh, you can do so online, uh, go to the website, go to the app. Ushers are gonna come forward and they're gonna pass plates and you can give that way. However you give, we ask that you give generously and with a joyous heart. Let's continue our worship as we give to God our tithes and our gifts. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome holy child, welcome that you don't mind our manger how I wish we would have known but long awaited holy stranger make yourself at home please make yourself at home Bring your peace into our violence. Bid our hungry souls be filled. Word now breaking, heaven's silence. Welcome to our world. Welcome to Tiny heart whose blood will save us 
Loving God, we thank you for the perfect gift of your son. Receive these gifts of ours as a, a symbol of our love for you. Use them and multiply them for your sake and your kingdom. We ask it in the child's name. Amen. Well, during this season, as we celebrate the beginning of Christ's life here on earth, if you would like to, to make a new beginning and make Brentwood United Methodist Church your church home, uh, you're invited to do that. You can come down during our closing hymn and we can help you make that happen. But otherwise, I invite you to remain standing and sing along with us.
but as you go from this place, know that the motivation for all that God has done for you and for me and for the world, God's motivation is always love. And may your motivation this day and in the days ahead be love as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.